changes, obviously, for us in a way. Um, can you just talk about the, the reason for settling Sunday Shenmack safety? Well, what happened was that we were very, very happy with the play of both Victor Simmons and Courtney Arnick. And we were very, very shaky at what we felt was the depth at safety. So what we did is we took a position of strength and we strengthened a position that we thought was of weakness. So now we got Cassius and Isaiah starting with, you know, Dex an experienced guy like Dexter right behind him, you know, which, you know, I think he'd be the next man in. You know, but before either the uh, the other safeties, that gives us three more experienced guys there, and really it's not, and uh, it's not an, an incrimination of anyone. It's just how good Victor Simmons and Courtney Arnick have played, where we feel that those guys are playing good enough, where it allowed us the flexibility to move Cassius back to the safety. He's not here. I'll talk about the guys that are here. That's the end of my comment. How are you using the Big 12 upsets from this weekend as kind of a learning tool? Well, I mean, it didn't obviously got their attention from Friday night right on through. And whether it was the K-State, North Dakota State game or any of the other games that happened, <clears throat> the two biggest teaching tools you know, that you have is when anyone has an off season to get ready to play, there are a lot of good coaches out there. And, you know, you can't you can't think that you're gonna be, you know, one up when people have a great great deal of time. And the other thing that comes into play that it can't be underrated is that usually the biggest difference between, you know, a division one team, okay, and a non championship you know, level team are the fact of the depth. You know, we have more scholarships and more players, but early in the year when no one's hurt, that really doesn't play in. You know, you everyone's got their two deep intact. So really it doesn't become as much of an issue until later in the year when you start getting bumps and bruises. You talked about some guys with appendix and minor bumps and bruises overall pretty healthy. Did you stay that way during this off week? We walked out of there. The only guy who's, you know, who's clearly not going is Jenkins Moore. As a matter of fact, that, that's our injury list. You know, so, you know, that's knock on wood. Now, we haven't played a game yet, but, uh, you know, the appendix guys, they're back. You know, toes, ankles, knees, you know, they're all back. And literally, if I went into a game and at that next level where they had an injury report, there wouldn't, any, wouldn't be anyone listed any lower than probable. So it's a pretty, pretty healthy as of right now. Yeah, a bunch of guys, you know, listed as even first, but also on the two deep that, that are playing their first Division One games this weekend, or, or you know, even a guy like McKay who didn't have this role that he has here during his Division One experience down south. Do you handle that? Do you tell them what to expect? Do you ask your captains to do that? Do you do you address that at all? Just the emotions that go. I mean, some of these guys waited their whole lives for this. Well, it's interesting because the speed of the game changes so much when you go from one level to the next level. Anytime you go up a level, the speed of the game changes. So they really can't, won't be able to truly experience all, all the things that go through until, until you're playing and you see the speed goes up. And the speed from preseason to, to a regular season game goes up. 
And, you know, it always, the whole career, every time they go to a level, the speed of the game goes up. So even though you can practice it and you can talk about it and talk about excitement and controlling excitement and all those other things, I still think that the first thing you have to do is get used to playing with bigger, faster, stronger guys. You've got some, some new guys that push back right now, but can you explain kind of that position in, in this defense? Um, why it's important and kind of especially going against some of these offenses that pass the ball a lot. You, you need to be able to hang in there up front and be able to play the run and be able to blitz but still be able to cover. And, you know, people think, well, that's that's what you're supposed to be doing. It's it's not it's easier said than done to be able to play the physical game up front and to be able to bring bring pressure and still be able to be, be able to match up in coverage you know, you need to be a different type of different type of person. It isn't like you just put a six foot four, two hundred and forty pound guy out there, because they might be good against a run and it might be good in pressure, but they give you nothing in a pass game. So you have to kind of be a jack of all trades in that position because that's you know, even in the NFL, most of the times when you put in a nickel guy, it's not to play the run, it's to cover. You know, here because it's every down, it's every down. You know, you know the. Most teams you play against are going to be playing either 11 or 10 personnel, which means they're going to have three or four wide receivers on the field on every play. And what ends up happening is the more linebackers you have out there, the more mismatches they're created for their offenses. So you have to be very versatile at that position. Do you think other are, are you seeing a lot of other teams go with that kind of defense? Yeah, it's the trend until all these quarterbacks get knocked out. And it'll be like that until that happens. And that's the way, you know, football is cyclical. And right now it's it's definitely in vogue and full force. And you don't see it just in college. You now see all the high schools, they're all playing spread. You know, so, you know, the one thing that, that I found in my experience is that, you know, when you start losing those quarterbacks, everything changes in a hurry. targeting rules. We obviously saw that a lot over the weekend. Have you talked to your players about that? And kind of what do you tell them how they approach it? Well, we we showed them videotapes. We've gone over everything. We've gone, we've gotten tapes from the Big 12. You know, we've taught them. We've instructed them. We've done it on the field as well. Okay, the bottom line is, and Bob and I were chatting about this last night, I think there's good and bad in the rule. The good part of the rule is I think the intent is very good. I think the safety of the safety of the players is should always be, you know, at the forefront. The bad part of the rule is I think it's very subjective. You know, you you call some, you call something. I already saw one guy get, one thing got overruled already. The guy from Cal who got ejected in the Northwestern game now has been reinstated already. You know, because the league went and looked at it and said he shouldn't have been ejected. So now, you know, so even though he was ejected, now he, he's not ejected. You know, and I think that that's the problem with this is the subjectivity. Now, if they said that every time this happens, they're going to go to the booth and just let them make a ruling, you know, at least you got slow motion, slow motion, you could see what really happened on a play. But I still think that the intent of the rule is very good. I think the subject subjectivity of the rule is very bad. Todd Lewandowski has made that shift to center. Uh, how's he doing? I think the first week, uh, first week was like a fire drill, but it was also like that for the quarterback. To tell you the truth, 
you know, but the first week, you know, because we did this last end of last spring, and when you go through the whole summer and you have no one in your face the whole time, but it's a little different when there's somebody three inches away trying to knock you in the mouth as soon as you snap the ball. I think after he got through that, uh, got through the first week, I think that the arrows pointed up every single day. So we're very pleased with where we are with Pat right now. Play caller, how much are you looking forward to having more of the playbook at your disposal this year as opposed to having to rely on the run so much last year? You mean be able to throw the ball a couple of times? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to be more balanced. You know, I'm looking forward to when you come in on Monday not saying, okay, what are the 80 ways we're going to run the ball this week? You know, um, I, uh, I like to being able to spend the time to try to figure out the players we have and how to best get the ball in our hands. And, you know, it, it makes it – hey, look, it was challenging, but that's part of what you do. So I think that now when have, you're open to more things that you could do, it, it makes it a little bit easier. Working with quarterbacks and passing game was, was it tough for you last year to kind of put that in pocket? Uh, yeah, but I think that if we didn't come out of last year getting good at something, last last year could have e easily been a waste. So I made the decision about halfway through the year we need to come out of here with a staple, something that we can hang our hat on, something that we could say we can do this. And when we at the end of the year, I don't think anyone in the league that we played against would say that we couldn't run the ball, you know, with toughness. I think everyone could say that. Now, that, that with, with seven, eight, nine guys up there too because you knew that our passing game wasn't very efficient. You know, now you, you bring a passing game along with that. I think you make the running game that much easier, to tell you the truth. But at least you showed you could play the game with some physicality and run the, run the ball, uh, you know, against pretty much everybody. How does that extend to your receivers, uh, the physicality that you talked about? I mean, your group that you have right now, are they in that category? I think that we have some phys I, we have some receivers that aren't afraid to mix it up. Now, we also have some free receivers that are afraid to mix it up, and they don't get out there as fast as those other guys. Okay, but I'll, I'll use twos for an example. You see those two X's over there? The, you know, th those two guys will mix it up with anybody. It does make a, make a difference which one's in, whether 19's in or 8's in. You know, they're going to hit you in the mouth. You know, they're not they're not playing. You know, and they'll play a bunch of special teams too. Those those two guys, because they're not you're, they're not offensive mentality. You know, they're not receivers like I don't want to get hit guys. You know, we have a few of those too, but those two guys aren't in that class. How about, how about Justin specifically? Not not regarding that, but just his whole development since he's been here. I mean, you know, again, kind of like I mentioned a minute ago, been waiting a long time for, for Saturday to get here. And, and uh, has he shown, you've said often, that, that he has the ability to be a frontline guy. Has he continued and, and progressed at that rate throughout? I think Justin's really anxious to get going, and I think you'll you'll be happy with what you end up seeing by when it's all said and done. You know, I don't know how each game's going to go, but I just know that Watching him day in and day out, you know, there's a lot of attributes that I've compared him to a guy in the past that you've you heard me say before, and those attributes still look the same to me, you know. So we're just going to have to see how it goes, but it's going to be a group effort. Is, is the quarterback going to put the ball on the money? 
okay, the offensive line going to block long enough? Is he going to get some separation? You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that come into play, but I'm expecting big things from Justin. Was he able to, to carry on that chemistry he built with Jake last year on the on the scout team? I mean, was that noticeable during fall camp that they? I think they had, he had a big jump start over just about everyone because of that. To be honest with you. You know, because they're, you know, what happens is, you know, Justin's never going to run a 4-3. You know, that's not his deal. Okay, so when you're bigger, what you do is you find different ways to get open. It, you know, use your body presence and things like that. And I think that, that that's the relationship that, that he had with Jake where they kind of knew where he was going to be at what time. And I think that, you know, that's part of chemistry between a quarterback and a wide receiver. What did Samson do at linebacker that maybe gave him the edge over you know, like Jake Long? He's about 30 pounds bigger. You know, and when when you run pretty much the same, you know, and just, you know, I don't know how much bigger he really is, but, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a big man. For, he might be six feet tall, but I'll tell you what, he, you look at him and Heaney next to each other in there, and you say, okay, that's what I'm talking about. And those two guys behind them, you know, Miles and, and, and Love, they're pretty good too. And we finally got to the point where you could sit there and say that, you know, where you can sit there and put out the twos and you're not holding your breath that the twos are out there. Because if you can only play one deep in this league, you have absolutely no chance, none, absolutely no chance. What's that say about a guy like Samson who came in? He wasn't one of the more publicized recruits coming in, but you know, he, he beat out a guy that played pretty well last year. I mean, what's that say about him? Well, I mean, it, that means I have to blame you and Tate and Kirby for not publicizing him. You know, I guess that's what I should do then, because. Well, we didn't think he was good enough. We wouldn't have bet on him so hard. I mean, we only went after the guys that we that we that we really you know really thought highly of. We expected him to challenge to be a starting inside linebacker. That's what we expected when we brought him in here. And let me tell you something. You know, Jake's not going down. Jake's not going away. You know, it isn't like Jake's going away. But I mean, right now he's just a bigger, more physical presence when he's in there. I mean, he's a physical guy and he plays with a lot of passion. You know, I can't wait till somebody pulls his hair from the back of his helmet, though. That, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to say I told you so. That's that's all. How competitive overall was the defense and the spots you needed to fill? Well, I think the, the secondary was a little slower in being competitive because some of the guys were you know, didn't weren't all in at the same time. I mean, like Kevin just getting getting in here. You know, you know Kevin's you know probably as good a talent as we have. You know, on the whole team. You know, but you know when you come in late, you know you just now you're getting thrown in there and thrown into the mix. You know, I think that taking a guy like Cassius and moving him back to safety. I mean, we were really concerned. We were really concerned, not at the nickel position. You know, we felt good about the nickel position, but we were really concerned about the safety position because we didn't feel that we had any inher any inherent depth that had any had any experience in what we thought, you know, Big 12 caliber of football. And I think that being able to have watched Simmons and Arnick develop the way we thought they would, okay, allowed us a little bit more flexibility. So now you can roll safeties through. Now you can roll corners through. 
and you know as fast break as this is right here, if you can't do that, then you're in a bind. Now, we always, we always could drop caches down to nickel, okay? But if you don't practice it, like the last two weeks, as soon as we got rid of you guys, he went right back to where I wanted him to be. You know, we just got him right back to safety after, because one of you would have reported what everyone's doing on every play anyway. You know, so we had, we're cross-training him at the time where we're spending about half the time with him at nickel and half the time with him at safety. And really, it was not based off of his play at nickel. It was based off of our concern at safety, not having enough guys, not having enough depth to go ahead and, and be able to play a whole game. Did Jake Love get some of that cross training at Mike Linebacker? He, he got some at Mike Linebacker when Skyler was out a little bit. When Skyler was out a little bit, it was a three for two at the time where Jake played both Will and Mike. But, you know, Skyler's had a really nice camp for us, too. You know, he's, you know, it's probably the healthiest he's been since he's been here. And, you know, we're very, you know, we're, he, he had a good camp. We're high on Skyler right now, too. But when Skyler was banged up a little bit there for a while, Jake was running, rolling at both positions right there. How confident are you in kicking? I'm really, I'm really confident in Perdula as both a, a punter and a and a kickoff guy. And right now he would be if, I mean, like the other day we had at the end of practice, so I put the ball on a 40-yard line to end practice and made a 57-yarder by about five yards. Now he'll miss three of them from from that too, distance too, but the fact that he can kick it that far, at least you know that if you have to try a field goal at the end of the game from a long distance you know you have a guy that can make it from any distance. You know, he can make it from 60 yards. No, he can miss it from 30 yards too, you know, but, but he, can make it from, he can make it from long range. But the guy probably was the big, most pleasant surprise of anyone was Wyman, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, the kid's only missed a couple kicks, kicks since he's been here. And every day we go out there and he was running the third kicker or the fourth kicker, then he was the third kicker, then he was the second kicker, then he was the first kicker, and he hasn't looked back. You know, so he's he hasn't turned back, and that wasn't a name we, anyone was asking about, and we weren't telling. But I tell you what, all the kid did was clearly win the competition, and it wasn't really close. Now we'll see what happens when the lights are on. You know, it, you know, but uh, we've been very pleased with what we've seen out of him. Well, he can make it from 50. He has no problem making it from 50 yards. But I mean, the fact that you can put you know, the balls on a 30 and you can kick a 47-yarder and not saying we have no chance, you know, that now you're not going for it on fourth down from your own 30. And everyone, and everyone he was saying, that Weiss is really stupid. Why isn't he kicking a field goal? I've heard that this isn't the first time in my career I've heard how stupid I was for going it from, from, from the 30-yard line. Usually you do it because you, can't, you don't think you're going to make the field goal. That's usually why you do it. It isn't because you're being as risky as everyone thinks you are. You guys had to watch football from Thursday last week through, through Monday. I'm sure they're chomping at the bit. Is there advantage, disadvantage, anything to start a week later than most teams? Well, the advantage, the advantage for us is the fact that we have so many guys that, you know, are new here that are in the mix, either starters or in the too deep. We have so many of them. And so last week we got to go through school's already started. Here's your normal week. So now they got to go through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just like a game week. So now the second week around, okay, it makes it that much easier because now they know what the routine is. 
They know where their classes are. They know what the schedule is. They know when they're eating. They know when you know, they have tutors. I mean, they, they know all those things. And to be honest with you, the, there's a comfort zone on a football level doing that because now everyone falls into a routine. You know, the negative is, you know, when school starts, you want to play a game. You know, let's, you know, it was awful. Saturday was just awful. It might have been my least favorite day in the last six months. It's the ranks right there. Sitting there watching this game. Do you think that's fun? I mean, that's, oh, well, let me watch a little of this game. Let me watch a, you know, you just put a capital L on your forehead because that's what I felt like as I was sitting, sitting here watching all these games. Might have been because of the Slater fiasco where it kind of got overshadowed or stole the spotlight a little bit. But what do you like about Onal? He's the best pass blocker we have to start off with. I mean, he's the, out of all of them, he's he's the best pass blocker. So you know, he isn't as big. Well, he does. Let me just say that he doesn't have as much girth as Aslam has right now. But you know, one thing you need to be able to do is you need to be able to do something really well. And when you now have two tackles that you could feel you could pass block on both sides, it makes it a little less of a you know a little more comforting to know you could go ahead and do that. You know, and I think he's getting better as a run blocker every day. You know, he's in the high 290s. You know, isn't like he's isn't like he's slight. He's just you know, he isn't dropping down from 397 like Aslam was either. You know, he's you know he's he's probably never been that weight. So, uh, but uh, he's he's very athletic, and I would imagine he'll eventually you know a year from now he'll end up being a left tackle. Were you counting on that? I mean, you obviously don't go after guys you don't want, but were you counting oh, no, on that? We, we, we were counting on that. As a matter of fact, we weren't so sure he wasn't going to be the starting left tackle. You know, we weren't so sure of that, but Aslam's really done a nice job over there. And you see from that depth chart, if something happened to Aslam, you know, Fondal is going over to the left side, and we, we, would, put, we would put Beckman in first over on the right side. How do you approach Saturday from a game plan perspective in terms of Wanting to get some rhythm for the offense, but also not wanting to put too much on tape. We've already we've already done that. We've already know what we're what we're doing and what we're not doing. You know, hey, look at, you know, last year we came out and and struggled in the opener, one thirty one to seventeen. Okay, and and it was a struggle, and I'm not worrying about next week's game. We're not in a position in our in our. And where we are, you know, in the stepping stones to be saving a whole bunch to worry about the next game. But there are things that we won't be doing till the appropriate time. You know, when the so there's things we won't do in this game that we'll be doing in the next game and the next game and the next game. That's just that's just a natural progression. We need to play well this week. What was the reason for uh, moving Kevin Young up and putting Markwell Combs at nose tackle? Markwell was more comfortable inside, and Kevin was playing way better. Look, you can't go by – you have to just go by what you see. And Kevin Young probably, to be honest with you, other than Keon, Kevin Young might, might have been play, might have had the second-best camp of anyone. You know, Markwell looks more comfortable inside, and Kevin Young has been the most productive of the defensive ends. Best guy plays. Is Michael Mass still around? He's not on the depth chart. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's worried he belongs on the depth chart. Yeah. You know, 
not there right now. Yeah. You know, you know, you just got to put him where they. Once again, he had every opportunity to beat a guy, and he, he clearly didn't kick as well as the other guys. Taylor Fox's returning kicks. You've got five running backs that can can all do things. He would be the only guy that would have a year where he could sit. Was there any thought about that and stretching him out so he'd be available? Next I year? I immediately went to him after Darian got on board. I went to him and said, "Okay, it's your call. What do you want to do here?" I said, "I went over that James is going to be gone. You have a chance to chance to compete to beat the lead dog. You're not beating him out." Okay, he's going to be, you know, you'll you'll play, but you're not beating him out, and you're not rooting for him to get hurt. So what do you want to do? And in Taylor's case, he gave me a very good answer. You know, he'd like to have a chance to play on Sundays. Okay, but he's older. Okay, and the running at the running back position, you know, at the running back position, usually your shelf life is very short. I think he might be like 24 years old or something like that. And his concern was going to be that he's going to be too old by the time he gets done playing and not have a chance to play past this. And I thought that, you know, that logic was good. I gave, I let him have the input, and then I said, okay, then we'll go through training camp as long as you earn the right to to be in this mix. And he's just had a great camp. I mean, we, you know, like we're worrying about this year right now. We'll worry about next year, next year. But we gave him the first say on this one right there. And then I told him that, you know, for example, if Darren was playing way better than Taylor, I said, you know, and you're sitting there third, it's a totally different deal. But no one's playing way better than Taylor. I mean, Taylor's playing Taylor's playing really good. I'm boring everyone. You're reaching. Come on, you got me. Opening day. You went through this entire camp. How much did you sense? Do you sense now? When your guys, coaches, everyone, this team really wants to get back on the field and wants a victory. I mean, you carry a losing streak into the last year. I've been spending a lot of time talking to the coaching staff and and the players here in the last few days, and. That basically, like, people, I'll give you an example. One of the things a lot of people have said to me in the last 48 hours was, you know, you know, South Dakota has a game under their belt. They're going to come in here. There's a bunch of guys from from Kansas that are playing. You know, they're going to be really excited. Not going to be as excited as our guys are. It's been a long time since that coming off the field and listening to John Denver, trust me. I still can hear him in my ears. Okay, I could still hear it. It's been a long time, and everyone's been waiting. There's no country road anymore. <laughs> is, there, is there a team goal for this, for this team? I know Coach Lee want to win the next game. Um, oh, win this else? game. I don't want to win the next one. Yeah, this game. <laughs> and then move on to the next and next week. Uh, but where, is there anything past that? Um, well, I mean... Let's look, let's look at this realistic here now. I mean, I could answer the fan answer, okay? I could answer what everyone wants to hear, but I'm going to just tell you, every time we go into a game, we better be counting on winning. And if we lose, we lose. But you better not – I think that part of the problem 
when you're you're in an organization that gets used to losing, losing's okay. Losing's accepted. If you play close to winning, you know, it's okay. And that's a pile of garbage. I mean, it's just it's a, it's an absolute loser's mentality. Okay, so when when you get ready to go play a game, it shouldn't make a difference who you're playing and who if their players are better than your players. The first thing you better do is change the mentality that you have as a team. And that is partially my responsibility. You know, not all my responsibility, but partially my responsibility. Because if you go into a game and say, well, let's look at the record, let's look at the schedule. God, if we can win five, that would be, I mean, if you think like that, you deserve to just get fired or quit. One or the other. You should never, ever, as a competitor, think like that. So you want the answer? I want to beat South Dakota. Then the next week, I want to go beat Rice. Then I want to come home and beat Louisiana Tech. Then I want to go out recruiting the week after that. Then I want to go beat Texas Tech at homecoming. And then let's go to TCU and see what, it, what it's like if you're on a little streak and everyone's starting to get a little juice around here. That's what I want to do. Okay, and they better be thinking the same way. Now, is it going to happen like that? I can't tell you that. Okay, I promise you, I, I have no idea if it's going to happen like that, but that's what I want to do. And I'm counting that they're thinking the same way. Have you been able to change that attitude? We're 1-11 last year. We're 0-0 right now. We're gonna, that, that's something that's yet to be determined. You know, I'd like to think that we've made, made major strides. I'd like to think that psychologically we've spent a lot of time you know, working in that direction, but it really doesn't mean anything until you've done something. Because realistically, what are you right now? You're just a team that's, a, that's picked at the bottom of the pack that no one has any respect for. And until you start winning games, that's where you're going to stay. Does that attitude change by getting people out of the program, coaches out of the program, people out of the program? No, no. there's only one way it changes, and that's winning. It's not who leaves and who goes uh, and who comes. It's winning. That's the only thing that changes. I've been involved in these before now. The only thing that changes is when you start winning. Because all of a sudden, those, those close games that you lose, you start winning a couple of those close games, and the light switch goes on, and next thing you know, your team every week is expecting to win those games. They're not waiting for something bad to happen. They're making something good happen when it's, when it's crunch time. And the only way you have to – something good has to happen first. So they have to get a taste of something good happening. And really that's the only – you know, you can talk about psychologically all you want, but that's really the only way that really plays out. 